Well, saints, it's good to see you this morning. Another day to enjoy the Lord, right, together. All right, brothers and sisters, we're going to just make it through this outline. And uh, I'd like to read the title to you again. Uh, It's really wonderful. Enjoying Christ as the reality of the meal offering, which is in Leviticus chapter 2. To have a meal offering Christian life and a meal offering church life consummating in the new Jerusalem as a great meal offering, the ultimate consummation of the mingling of the triune God with the tripartite man. And as we pointed out, you know, the new Jerusalem is, is number 12 everywhere. You know, 12, for, 12 this, 12 that. And 12 is composed of four times three. Four signifies the creature. Three signifies the triune God. So you have four times three, that's the mingling of the triune God with the tripartite man. So the ultimate consummation of our mingling um, is the New Jerusalem, a great God-man. New Jerusalem is a person, a great God-man. But say, to me, this is marvelous. you got Christ, you got the Christian life, you got the church life, you got the New Jerusalem. Just, uh, David, it's good to see you, brother. Amen. <laughs> Anyway, I'm so happy to see all of you. And a lot of you, I know your names. You know, like one, I found out your name this morning. I asked Brother Ricky, what's that brother's name? He's a good brother. His name is Juan. I said, like J-U-A-N? No, no, no. W-A-N, of course, you know. Then he, then Ricky said to me, Carnegie Mellon, Ed. Carnegie Mellon. He went to Carnegie Mellon, right? You know, I grew up close to there. And here we are together. Isn't that a miracle? Okay, anyway, I better get to the outline. All right. <laughs> okay, now in Roman number one, what we want to see is that the meal offering typifies Christ in his God man living. And, saints, what we want to see here as we go through Roman number one is we want to see the intrinsic significance of the ingredients of the meal offering. And so, um, you know, we'll have points on these points. Fine flour, oil, frankincense, salt, no leaven, no honey. Each one is very significant, very significant. Uh, Especially the prohibitions, no leaven, no honey. We'll come to that. It's very, very important. All right, now let's look at A. Fine flour, the main element of the meal offering, signifies Christ's humanity, which is fine, perfect, tender, balanced, and right in every way, with no excess and no deficiency. Brother, what is your name? Jimmy. Jimmy. That's easy for me to remember. Jimmy. Jimmy, you you went to college, right? Where'd you go? What does that mean? I bet it's a good school. I never, I didn't, I didn't, I never heard of it before. But thank the Lord. There's the College of New Jersey. And Joshua, you went somewhere in Minnesota, right? Oh, for law school. University of Minnesota Law School. Where did you do your undergrad? You see Berkeley. I tell you, you, you saints are so much smarter than me. You know. Benson and I, we, we would go to Boston 
you know, people have two PhDs there and everything. Boy, man said to me, Ed, I, we're like used car salesmen coming here. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> but we know it's not a matter of just education. It's a matter of revelation, right? Um, of course, we need education, too. And I'm, I'm so glad you brothers have been prepared by the Lord in this way. Um, okay, now. So we're going to go through A through G, and we're going to see these. And we started with fine flour. Saints, is our natural humanity like this? Is our natural humanity fine, tender, balanced, and right in every way with no excess and no deficiency? Um, I saw a brother like this who was a duplication of this, you know, um, I had the privilege of, of serving him, helping him, uh, serving the Lord. And my service to him was my service to the Lord, you know. And so uh, Andrew and I felt that way. And um, my goodness, he was just balanced and right in every way. No excess, no deficiency. You know, Andrew said, Ed, you know, after Brother went to be with the Lord, um, Andrew said, um, he said, Brother, come here, I want to show you something. He pulls open one of Brother Lee's drawers, clothing. It's um, full of his socks. Just perfect everywhere, the socks. And he said, Ed, is your sock drawer like this? I said, don't, don't go anymore. Don't go anymore. No. <laughs> I said, what about your sock drawer, Andrew? He said, no, no, no. I'm in the same boat as you, you know. Well, he was just so fine, so tender, so balanced, so perfect. When you met with him in his study and the meeting was over, you had better put your chair back where it was. Seemed like a small thing, but it, it's not a small thing. It shows your humanity. You see, have you eaten G? You know, one of the first things Brother Lee said when he came to this country was he asked the question, saints, have you eaten Jesus this morning? And they said, what? Have we eaten Jesus this morning? Listen, for us to eat the Lord Jesus as our spiritual food is to eat him as the meal offering. Remarkable. We'll see this. And so you, you become what you eat. So if you eat this meal offering, the more you eat, the more fine you become in your humanity, the more tender, the more balanced, um, no excess, no deficiency. I want. This signifies the beauty and excellence of Christ's human living and daily walk. So when you look at this person in the Gospels, you can see his beauty. You can see his excellence. Um, it's just enthralling. When I, when I, even when I read the Gospels today, um, it just, it just, he's just beautiful. I mean, you look at John 8 with that sinful woman. Right? She, I mean, the, the Pharisees, they were just trying to catch the Lord all the time. Right? And so they said to him, look, can you imagine he's given a message? And they bring this woman right in front. Can you imagine him giving a message? And, and one says, I'm going to bring a woman right here in front of Ed. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. What should we do? What does the Lord do? He kneels down. He's writing something in the dirt. It's very significant. You, you know, <laughs> I think it's in the note, but it's in the lifestyle. 
Our brother, he said, maybe he was writing, who is without sin among you? You know, writing that. He, he knelt down. He was writing. Why did he do that? To humble those proud Pharisees that humbled them. Then, uh, can you imagine? Every, every, everything he did was meaningful. So he's, he, he's down there writing. They're waiting for an answer. He stands up. He says, okay. Whoever is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. What happens? All the older ones, they, they realize none of us is without sin. We're not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be the one to cast the stone uh, after what he just said. So, it said the older ones go out first. Younger ones fall. Because the younger ones, you know, they want to hold on to the rocks, you know. Uh, that's how young people are, you know. Anyway, but everybody dropped their stones. Here's what amazes me, saints. Here are people who are sinners, just like us. Here's this woman. Obviously, she's a sinner, you know, and, and she was caught in a terrible situation. And um, all the sinners had stones in their hands. The one without sin didn't have a stone in his hand. Think about it. No sin, no stone. And so he says to her, everybody leaves. And I, I wish I could quote exactly. He said, woman, you know, where are your accusers? Um, uh, I don't know how he said it, Rick. He said, you know, who, who, um, he said, well, where are they? Then, then what do you say? Has no one condemned you? Yes. Has, has no one condemned you? Isn't that beautiful? Has no one condemned you? I don't even condemn you. And I'm perfect. If anyone has a ground to condemn you, I do. I'm sinless. Has no one condemned you? What you say? No one born. Said, no one, Lord. And then he said, uh, give me a chance here, Ricky. You correct me? <laughs> and then he said, he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What kind of person is this? You read that, you have to hold back the tears. Go and sin no more. Now, you know, when I read that the first time, I said, how do you sin no more? Well, you have to read on. You have to read the, the outline in the recovery version, right? How do you go and sin no more? What's the first point after that outline, Ricky? The outline, who can set people free from sin? Christ, the light of the world and the giver of the light. That's how you sin no more. Christ, the light of the world, the giver of the light of life. That's the first point, right? What's the second one? Second one. Christ, the I am. Christ, the I am. If you enjoy him as the I am, I am, you are not. He is, you are not. Then what's the third one? Christ, the Son of Man lifted up. How about that? When the Son of Man is lifted up, uh, then what does it say when he's lifted up? What happens, Ricky? I will draw all men to myself. Who is this? Who is he? Even the disciples, they were asking, who is this who calms the winds and the waves? Right? If, if the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. Look, here we are. We've all been drawn to him. Um, then the fourth one, Christ the Son is a reality. Is that right? That's right. So four items. 
four items of Christ. If we enjoy Christ in that way, we can go and sin no more. That doesn't mean we're not going to, you know, totally sin. We're gonna, we're, we fail. But habitually, we don't habitually sin like we used to, you know? Uh, because Christ is all these things to us. Brothers and sisters, I want you to notice the beauty of, of the recovery version. That outline. Four points. Uh, to show how you can go and sin no more. Here's what Christ is to you. In four aspects. We need to pray over those points. Um, Eddie, right? I can call you Eddie. But you can't call me Eddie. <laughs> Only my wife called me Eddie. All right. Anyway. Um, okay, so the, you see such beauty in the Gospels. It, it makes you want to weep when you when you read that. You realize that, um, my goodness, there was, there's never been a man like this. Uh, that's a good, He's a God man. You know, um, neither do I condemn you. Listen, when I was an unbeliever and I walked into a, you know, I'm not criticizing people. But when I walked in, into a denomination, I could tell. You know, you know, I told you the young people have the best radar, Pharisee at 3 o'clock. You know, unbelievers are the same way. They can tell uh, if you're judging them, if you're not judging them. Um, and I could tell. I could tell. You know, my, uh, my dad's, I mean, sorry, not my dad. My wife's dad was a pastor. And um, when we would go, um, you know, when, and we would have breaks. And so I would go with her to her home where her dad was. This is before I was saved. Um, I don't know how my wife, she just, she just did not give up on me. I told her, I said, Ruthie, you need to stop praying for me. I'm never going to get saved. She was really, you know, that was mean for me to say that. But she kept praying for me. I got saved. And then you know what I did? I prayed for her to come in the church life. And she came to the church life. Here we are, happily ever after. Right? Christ and the church. Okay, but anyway, I'd go to that denomination, and I could tell this man, you know, I could tell who's judging me. Oh, but I still remember one farmer. One farmer. You know, it was a farm community. One farmer. He was a deacon. No judgment at all. No, no judgment at all. Mr. Heitschmidt, I still remember. Where's Ruthie? She's around here somewhere. You know, you remember Mr. Heitschmidt, right? And then uh, I worked on the wheat harvest. I'm an unbeliever. Uh, I, I needed a job. You know, I was working. And uh, Ruth's mom, I don't know how she did that, Ruth. She got me a job at the grain elevator. On the wheat harvest. Your mom's, she's really smart. Uh, uh, she got me a job. And, and the, uh, the young man I worked with was Mr. Heismith's son. And um, Mr. Heismith's a big farmer, you know. And so um, I, never met, I never met a farmer before. Have you met farmers, Joshua? You need to come with me in western Kansas. Anyway, um, so Dean tells me, he says, Ed, let's go to uh, my parents' home. I want you to meet my mom and dad. 
So we went in, and uh, Mr. Heisman's there. Of course, I had already seen him. I think Ruthie introduced me to him. He, he looks at me and goes, Ed, it's so good to meet you in person. He, he, just, he was just glowing. That, listen, you know Car- Brother Kerry Robichaud? He, Kerry uh, and Andrew and I, we, we served together in the office, and Kerry um, had this quote in his office. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. How about that? Use words if necessary. That means you should be the gospel. You see, Mr. Heitzman, he was the gospel to me. Just his person. He's just shining Christ. You, you know, beholding and reflecting as a mirror the glory of the Lord. Beholding is for ourselves. We get infused with him. Reflecting is to reflect him in others. So he was so kind toward me, saints. And listen, Romans 2, I believe it's verse 4. It says the kindness of God is leading you to repentance. Uh, anyway, you know, it's not, it's not this, it's not like Christ is the kindness of God. He leads you to repentance by his kindness. And so, wasn't that kindness exercised toward that adulterous woman? Surely it was. Um, and so Mr. Heisman said to me, he goes, Ed, I want to show you around my farm. He said, do you want to see a calf being pulled? Do you know what it is to pull a calf? To pull a calf means the mother, the mother calf. I mean, not the mother calf, the mother cow. She's about to have a baby. And the calf is turned around in her womb. So you got to get that calf out of there. How do you do it? You have to reach in there and turn it around and pull it out. I said, man, I'm never doing that. You know. And he, he said, you want to see? I said, yeah, yeah. So I'm watching this guy. He reaches in there. Can you imagine that? I mean, I almost fainted when my kids were born. You know what I mean? Anyway, um, <laughs> he reaches in there. You know, he's turning the calf. He can feel the calf. Pulls the calf out. Calf's alive, healthy, happy, you know, bouncing around. You know, it's still, yes, the mother calf licks, licks all the stuff off of him, you know. Um, just beautiful, beautiful. And then Mr. Heitchin tells me, he says, Ed, this man, my helper, he grew up in Chicago. Chicago, he's a city boy. He said he came out here, he wanted a job. So he wanted to work for me. So I taught him every, I taught him how to pull a calf. Said, Ed, you want to pull a calf? No, no, Mr. Eichmann. You know, I want to pull a calf. But he taught this city boy from Chicago how to do all this form work. And so um, it, it just became, uh, I could never forget his kind. It was the kindness of God through him toward me. Uh, again, that's the gospel. Of course, we need, to, we need to say things. But our being should preach the gospel. You see, so um, anyway, saints, um, the kindness of God leads people to repentance. Now, let me go on. We remember the Lord was brought to Pilate, right? And I've got these verses on here. You know, Pilate, the first time, he's questioning the Lord. And um, 
The Lord says something about the truth to him. Right? This is John 18.38. And um, I forget exactly what their conversation was. You know, uh, the Lord and Pilate, they were talking about the truth somehow. And, and um, Pilate said to him, what is truth? You know what he did right away? I'm out of here. I'm not going to even wait for the answer. What is truth? What, 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 what did they say before that? Ricky, do you have it? For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, that I would testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. He's talking to a Roman ruler. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. What is truth? Didn't give him a chance to answer. He realized. You know, his wife, you read another gospel. He said, his wife, Paul Pilate, be careful what you do with this man. I had, a, I had a dream about him, right? She was like, anyway, he said, what is truth? Then he left, and he went out, and went to the Jews. He told them all, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. Then, in John 19, four again, he's examined again. He says, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. No fault in him. You know, brothers, I'm just, you know, you don't have to answer, but can your boss say that about you? I find no fault in him. Uh, Anyway, you don't have to answer. Um, Our humanity people can find fault in us. Then, you know, you know. Of course, the the the, the Jewish religionists, they, you know, I mean, they were they were the Lord's opposers. They were jealous of him too. They were jealous, and um, eventually they got the whole crowd stirred up. Crucify, crucify him! So Pilate said one more time. He said, "You take and crucify him, for I find no fault in him." That shows even Pilate saw. His humanity was perfect. His humanity was perfect. And um, you can, I've got some other verses on on this. Um, You know, um, I have this verse Isaiah 53, 3 on here. And the reason why I have this on here, saints, of course it says Christ is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And, but at the end it says, it says this, he was despised. And we did not esteem him. Saints, I want us to esteem this person. We need to hold him in the... This person lives in us. Such a man now lives in me. We need to, have, we need to esteem him. So this is why Paul said, um, I've counted all things to be lost on account of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my, Lo- my Lord, on account of whom I've suffered the loss of all things, that I might gain him, that I might gain Christ. Uh, that's by revelation. So Paul counted everything to be lost. Just, just for that excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. You see the word my is there. I said that last night. My Lord shows his intimacy with the Lord. Now, if you look at the footnote, the word excellency I think it means super eminence, right? 
um, the supereminence, um, the supreme preciousness. Um, I mean, Saul of Tarsus, he, what a spectacular vision he had of Christ. And so his whole life was a, was a quest to know Christ, to know the one he believed. So that's why in Philippians he said, to know him. Yes, I, I got the revelation of Christ, but I'm on a journey to know him. And so eventually, at the end of Paul's life, you know what he said in 2 Timothy? I don't have the exact verse. You can look it up. He said, I know him, whom I have believed. So he can, he can make that testimony at the end of his journey. I know him. So saints, we're on a quest to know, know Christ. Don't we want to know Christ better? We want to know Christ as much as we can. Until, you know, if the Lord tarries and, and we go to be with the Lord. Um, David, you could say to me at, at the end of your journey, you could say, Ed, I know him. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I'd like to say that to you, brother. If I'm at the end you're still here, Lord hasn't come yet. I'd like to say, David, I know him. I'm at the end of my journey. Uh, anyway, um, but it says, we did not esteem him. Saints, you know, um, I've, I've been somewhat uh, convicted by the Lord. You know, let me just make this statement. You know, if you look at Watchmanee's exposition of Song of Songs, he makes this statement. He says, the beginning of love for the Lord is a vision of his person. That's the beginning of your love for him. You see him, you can't help but love him, right? If you read the Gospels, how could you not love a person like that? You could just go through John 3 through 11 and just see the kind of person he is. And um, anyway, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I'm going to say something Gandhi said. Now, I don't want you to pray read Gandhi, but here's what Gandhi said. The problem with you Christians is you're so unlike your Christ. That's true. If Gandhi was there, I'd say, you're right. That is, that is our problem. In the, but I preach the gospel to him, too. i say, hey, Gandhi, listen to this. You know, let me tell you something about Christ. That's true. But we're on our way. We're on our way. You know, I talked to him about Christ, Christ is our spiritual food. And he who eats me shall live because of me. I like to say a lot of things to Gandhi. He was alive. I'm serious. You know, my son said to me one time, Dad, if you could preach the gospel to one person, you know, in the past, who would you preach the gospel to? I said, Malcolm X. I said, I'd love to preach the gospel to Malcolm X. Why? Because Malcolm X, he was a saint. Look. He saw all the hypocrisy in Christianity. He did the same thing I did in junior high. He looked at that picture. It was a picture on the wall in prison. You know, that's not Jesus, that picture. You know that. Jesus didn't have long blonde hair and blue eyes. That picture is an idol. I-D-O-L. First of all, he didn't look like that. Secondly, it's an idol. You go to Mexico, especially Mexico, people pray to those pictures. Benson and I went into a, 
a cathedral, Mexico City, just to see what it was like. We went in there. We saw people, you know, burning candles, praying to pictures like that. I was looking around. I said, I said, Benson, let's get out of here. You know, I mean, it was like, whew. Uh, anyway, much stronger than the U.S., you know, the idolatry. Um, but that's not Jesus. You see that? First of all, that picture isn't, isn't it? That's not a picture of Jesus. Secondly, it's an idol. You see? Um, okay, what's, what's my point? My point is, saints, we need to see a vision of this person. Who is he? Um, you know, I had asked the Lord to forgive me, maybe about a month ago. You know, um, Paul in Philippians 3, he said, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. You remember that? Uh, all these qualifications he had. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I was brought up in the sect of the Pharisees, which means he had so much, he had so much biblical knowledge for, of the Old Testament. Uh, he didn't realize. You know, the Lord Jesus said this. He said, you search the scriptures because you think in them you'll find life. But these scriptures were written concerning me. The Old Testament. This Old Testament was written concerning me. And you won't come to me that you might have life. And saying, this is a spiritual lesson for us. Every time you open this book, you just pray a short prayer. Lord, I come to you in your word right now. I come to you. I'd like to contact you. Lord, give me more of yourself as life. You're just reading the Bible. You just pray that prayer. It makes a difference. Uh, so I had to tell the Lord, Lord Jesus, I need to count. I don't really count all things to be lost. The way Paul did, I need to see more of you. Um, so Paul said, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrew sect of the Pharisees. You know, all these qualifications, um, you know, if you convert them to, day, to today, he, would, he could say, oh, I have two PhDs from Carnegie Mellon. You know, all these high qualities. You know what, to Paul, that was all trash. To him, he said, I count all things to be refuse other than Christ. That's quite a statement. So that's why I was convicted. You know, when I got saved, uh, to me, everything other than Christ was trash. But it's so easy. You go on with the Lord, you start thinking about, you know, oh, I, I used to be able to do this. I was, you know, things like that. You know, I was with Ricky in the interim. I was talking, we're going to talk with the brothers about this, about dealing with the self. One thing to deal with the self is you have to leper. He had to shave the hair of his head. That signifies self-glory, the glory of man, right? Then the eyebrows, the beauty of man. Then the beard, the honor of man. Then the hair on the body, the natural strength of man. All come from the self. Self-beauty, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, self-glory, self-beauty, self-honor, self-strength. It all needs to be shaved off. That's why in Leviticus 14.9, the Bible mentions each type of hair. If I was right now, I'd say, just shave all your hair off. But the Bible is specific because each one of those items, um, 
you know, I'll get with the brothers on this, but saints, there's a paragraph in the experience of life that talks about this. Uh, one paragraph. In my, in my, there's a lot of versions we put out on the experience of life. Um, I forget what copyright I have. It's on pages 152, 153, the version I have. One paragraph. It talks about the cleansing of the leper. One paragraph is on these different kinds of hair. One is self-glory. But he says, everyone has their boasts. B-O-A-S-T-S. Everyone has their boasts. Some people boast about their ancestry. Ancestry.com. Look at My ancestor is Charlemagne. I said, I bet you every, everybody's ancestor is Charlemagne. If you look closely, don't look too closely at your ancestry. You might be a horse thief back there somewhere. But anyway, some people boast of their ancestry, some of their education. You know, David, the school you went to, a lot of people there boast about their education. When they go, don't they? But you don't. You boast about Christ. Okay, so anyway, he said, some people even boast about their zeal and their love for the Lord. How about that? That's, that's Peter. That's Peter. He said to the Lord, Lord, the Lord said, all of you are going to deny me. Peter said, not me, Lord. Now, this is my portion. He said, even if these, these guys, if they all deny you, I'll never deny you. And said, the Lord said, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. No way, no way, Lord. You know, okay, what happens? We know what happened, right? Peter denied the Lord three times. In the, in the worst way imaginable, this little girl comes up to him. She's probably 12 years old. Like, um, was Brother Tim, right? Brother Tim's daughter came up to me this morning, uh, Victoria. She's so sweet. She came up to me, she looking up at me like this. She said, Brother Ed, I, I really enjoyed your message last night. I said, oh, praise the Lord. I, was so, I got so encouraged by his 12-year-old sister. It was just wonderful. Um, <laughs> but uh, St. Peter was even, you know, even if these all deny, I'll never deny it. Now, this little girl, she said, oh, you're one of the Galileans. I saw you. She said, no, you didn't see. You know, he's real strong, right? And then someone else came. He denied the Lord again. Then someone else came. These are, little, these are like 12-year-olds, maybe 14 at the most, right? Girls. Listen, one of the Gospels said he cursed. Remember that, Ricky? He cursed even. He denied the Lord. That third time, the Lord was being let out. The Lord looked at him. He saw the Lord's face, right? Then he just wept. He broke down. Um, Tis the face that Peter saw. Tis the heart that wept with Mary. Can alone from idols draw. You see, Peter saw that face. He just wept. And so, um, anyway, 
How did the Lord recover Peter? Uh, they're out there fishing and uh, in John 21. And I really like this. Um, you know, the Lord's on the shore. I think it, it says something about the distance. It says something about the number of fish. 150-something. 153. Why does the Bible tell you the number of fish? I, I still don't know. If you get any light on that, let me know. The life studies don't say. I always say, I always say, if the Bible doesn't say, don't say what the Bible doesn't say. If the ministry doesn't say, don't say what the ministry doesn't say. Unless you have the confidence you can read it to Brother Lee and it passes through the metal detector with him. Then you can read it. Then you can do it. Okay, anyway. They were about 100 yards away, I think. That's a long way. So here's the Lord on this. They don't know it's the Lord. He said, children, you know, 100 yards, you have to project your voice. Children, do you have any fish? No. He said, put your net on the other side of the boat. So they did it. 153. I think it says large fish. Right, Ricky? Large fish. He's a professional fisherman. Large fish. Then I love this. You know what John said? He looks at Peter. He goes, it's the Lord. I love that. It's the Lord. And what did Peter do? He dove off the boat. Right? He dove. He's swimming ashore. And he left the other disciples there to carry in that, all those fish. He's swimming ashore. It shows he still loves the Lord. And, um, Anyway, um, he gets to shore, and they get to shore. He cooked breakfast for them. He's got fish on the land. They couldn't get fish in the sea. he got fish on the fire for them. And then the first question he asked Peter, you have to notice this. We always think he said, Peter, do you love me? You know, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, share my sheep. But the first question the Lord asked is different from the last two. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these? In other words, what the Lord was indicated, Peter, you thought you loved me more than, more than your fellow disciples. Can you say that now? Do you love me more than these? He said, you know, Lord. You know, there was a lot behind that. You know, Lord. You know that I love you. But you know, Peter realized, for me to love the Lord, I need the Lord to be my love. I can't even, I I cannot be successful in loving the Lord with my natural zeal, my natural strength. It's going to run out. That's natural gas. That runs out. Um, So he said, do you love me more than these? He said, Lord, you know that I love you. He He said, feed my lambs. The next two questions, he didn't say, do you love me more than these? He said, Simon Peter, do you love me? Just that much. He said, Lord, you know that I love you. Uh, feed my sheep, right? Then the last time, shepherd my sheep. I love that. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Shepherd my sheep. When, saints, when we love the Lord Jesus, what spontaneously comes out of us is we want to feed the new ones. Right? We want to shepherd the saints. You know, everybody needs shepherding. Do you, don't you believe I need shepherding? Brother Juan, you know that, right? 
It needs to be shepherded. Even my boys know when I need to be shepherded. You know my youngest boy? One time he looked at me. I don't know. He must have seen, oh, dad looks down. He needs some encouragement. This, I'm interpreting this. So, you know what he does? He brings me a cold can of Coca-Cola. He says, here, dad. I said, oh, I got encouraged. <laughs> and my wife said, take that Coke away from your dad. <laughs> but he wanted it. Everybody needs shepherding. I mean, the last time I saw Brother Lee, where he went to be with the Lord, Carrie and I went to his house. And um, that's quite a story, you know. I prayed that morning. I said, Lord, I want to see Brother Lee one more time. Is there any way you can arrange that? Because there was a sign on the door, on Brother Lee's door. No one allowed. Do not knock on this door. Stay away. You know, all these things. We were meeting with him, a group of us. Every day. But he got so ill eventually. There's, there's a sign on the door. And so I go to Andrew's office. I say, Brother Andrew, I was praying this morning. And I really want to see Brother again. He said, I said, but there's that sign on the door, Andrew. You know what Andrew said to me, Peter? He said, Ed, forget about that sign. He said, just go over there and, and knock on the door. I said, well, Andrew, can I take care with me? Yeah, take care with you. So we knock on the door. Do not knock on the door. <laughs> we knock on the door. Who opens the door? Brother Tom Dvorak. He, Tom, Ricky knows him. Tom really took care of Brother You know, we all have different functions. Tom just took care of Brother Lee in such a precious way, physically, you know, uh, just the way Peter did with Brother James. I mean, thank the Lord for how he took care of Brother James. That's a big thing. I'm so glad. They, the brothers in New York, they just got a lasso and just pulled Peter to NYC. Right, right, Timothy? <laughs> Of course, you, you let him come back here too, right? He's going back and forth. So Carrie and I, Tom sees us. He says, oh, I'm so glad to see you brothers come in. And I, I think Tom, Tom realized, later I realized, that brother, he needs some, some encouragement. Well, we come in. And brother, he's got IV, you know, IVs. His head is down. And uh, he, he's really ill, you know. And so Carrie whispers in his ear. He says, Brother Lee, Brother Ed and Brother Carrie are here to see you. He said, he looks up. He looks up at us. His eyes are real bright. He said, what do you brothers want? You know, we always wanted something. <laughs> Went to see Brother Lee. That's why he said, what do you brothers want? I said, Brother Lee, we don't want anything. We just love you and we miss you. I said that, with, you know, I was holding back to tears. We don't want anything. We just love you and we miss you. Then after I said that, in one after, Lord, what are we going to do now? What are we going to say now? <laughs> so Brother Kerry, oh, it's so wonderful. He started telling Brother Lee what he was writing for affirmation and critique, which Brother Lee commissioned us to do that. So he's telling Brother Lee, oh, Brother Lee, I'm writing this. And, of course, everything is, is from Brother Lee perfecting us. And Brother Lee said, after Kerry was done, well, he said, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Then the Lord, the Lord put something to me. Ed, 
share this with Brother Lee. So I shared something with Brother Lee. You know, we were talking about blending. Uh, oh, the saints need to be blended. You know, everybody needs to be blended. And, and we're going to talk about that this morning. Don't worry, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. <laughs> Brother Lee said, the co-workers need to be blended. I said, Brother Lee, what about the co-workers being blended? He goes, oh, Brother Ed, this is really hard for the co-workers to be blended. You know, co-workers. To be blended, you know. Um, so it's really difficult, Ed. So I said, brother, I just want to let you know the co-workers are starting to be blended together. He said, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. said the same thing. said to Carrie. Then Carrie and I were on our way out. And he said, brothers. Now, when we met in a small group with him, I reminded him of the dream he had. Remember, he had that dream. When he's arrested by the Japanese military police, the Lord gave him a dream of this broad highway with the dawning sun shining on it, right? That broad highway leading to the horizon, which it signifies a lot of things. That highway signifies the Lord's recovery. It also signifies that the ministry that, that the Lord commissioned Brother Nee and Brother Lee with it's a broad highway. You get on that highway, it's going to bring the Lord back. It's going to bring the Lord back. This is a betrothing ministry. This ministry prepares the bride. This is where we are in church history. So, here we are. So, I re- when we were meeting, I reminded Brother Lee. I said, Brother Lee, I was reading this again. You know, I edited these messages. I said, Brother Lee, I was reading this again. Here's what I said to him. I said, Brother Lee, I realize we are a part of your dream. That dream that you dreamed in 1940-something, we're in that dream. We, we brothers, we're on that highway. He said, that's right, Brother Ed. Then he, he took off from there. You know, Billy did take off to, you know, you just, you just put a little spark there. And boom, he's on another planet. Uh, and um, so Carrie and I are walking out. He said, brothers, we turn around. You know what he said? He said, brothers, I'm still in the dream. Oh, my goodness. There were tears in his eyes, and there were tears in our eyes. He said, I'm still in the dream. What kind of brother is that? He's on on his way, like Elijah, a chariot of fire. You know, I'm still in the dream, brothers. Carrie and I got outside. We just wept, you know. Um. Anyway, my point is, is we all need encouragement. Um, And um, I'm so glad that, you know, we're we're like these little kids, you know. But thank the Lord, the Lord gave us something to make him happy. Because he said, I'm so happy, I'm so happy. Um, He told Andrew and I, he said, brothers, when I go to be with the Lord, I want you to continue the ministry and I want you to develop it. And this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Okay, anyway. Um, okay, so when you love the Lord, spontaneously you want to shepherd people, right? That's why you know Peter. I love Brother Peter so much. He loves the Lord so much. So spontaneously he, he wants to shepherd me. He shepherded me. He doesn't realize. I just look at him, I get shepherded. Um, just a fact, you know. Um, 
And Ricky shepherded me all the time. You know, before I came in the first time, I didn't know this. Ricky told me later, he said, Ed, before you came here, Brother Andrew called me. Did he call you? Or he told you? He told you. He said, Brother Ricky, make sure and take care of Brother Ed. And that meant a lot, right, Ricky? That means you make sure that he's healthy, that he eats right, that you drive him. You know, you know what I mean? And so Ricky did that. He's still doing it. Even though, anyway, you know. Isn't that wonderful? We need to shepherd one another, brothers and sisters. We all need shepherding. And so how could Peter have shepherded anyone if he hadn't failed? The Lord sovereignly allowed him to fail three times to make him realize you cannot love me with your natural zeal. There's no way. Not only that, who are you going to shepherd? Can you imagine if Peter hadn't failed and you're down, Joshua and Peter come to you? You know what we'd say? Joshua, turn to your spirit. Why are you just going to be down? And then he says that, and then you go deeper down. You know. Uh, um, anyway, he failed. So he knew, look, I'm no different than anybody. I'm the same as all the other brothers and sisters. Uh, he, he became a shepherd. He became a shepherd. So everybody needs shepherding. Now, uh, is it, but isn't that wonderful, brothers? It's the Lord. Then he they, he just dove off the boat. Uh, and, and you know, they esteemed the Lord. After a while, they began, and, and I had to confess, Lord, I don't esteem you like I should. Uh, do I count everything as refuse? I mean, everything. You know, um, I was talking to Ricky in the intro about something. B.C., before Christ. You know, there's A.D., Anno Domini, and there's B.C. Anno Domini is Latin, right? It was the year of our Lord, right? Um, isn't that amazing? Even the calendar is based on Christ. I'm sorry, they have, not, they have a new thing now, B.C.E. I don't even know what that is. I just throw that in the trash. <laughs> A-D-B, you know, B-C-A-D, A-D, right? Okay, this is B-C. So I'm talking to Ricky about something B-C, about me. I said, Ricky, you know, Ray Mullen said this and this and this and this and that. I said, Ricky, forgive me, I need a shave. I need, I need, I need, this is my self-glory, right, Ricky? My self-glory. You know, that needs to be shaved off with a razor. The razor is the cross. So I was boasting to Ricky about, oh, you know, Ricky, Ray Mulgan said, I'm not going to tell you, Ray Mulgan said this about this. And I said, Ricky, did you know that I did this and this? Right, Ricky? And then, Ricky, I repented, right? I asked him to forgive me. You, you know why? Because I saw that. I saw that. And so if you don't see that, you won't, you won't have the realization you need to repent. And, and are we going to talk about this here? No, with the brothers. With the brothers, okay. Um, anyway, all those things. Self, self, uh, what's this? Self-glory. Self-beauty. Self-honor. Self-strength. You know, a young brother comes up to you, David, brand new. David, you need to turn to your spirit. 
And then something in you says, do you know how long I've been in the church life? You're talking to me like that. You know what that indicates? You need to shave. <laughs> We're like this. So I asked Ricky to forgive me, man. I needed it. I said, Ricky, I, I even did this, right? Um, but, brothers, I had to ask the Lord to forgive me even before that because Paul said, I count everything as refuse that I may gain Christ. Uh, I had all this uh, training in the past. I sat at the feet of Gamaliel for my education. It's, that's, like, that's like Peter at MIT, you know? I don't know who his instructors were, but I know what Peter did. He's not going to tell you because he doesn't boast about it. He had no, it's all been shaved off. Right, Peter? Anyway, he doesn't think so, but I know. He, just, he doesn't tell you. He doesn't tell you. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I asked Ricky to forgive me. But, brothers and sisters, if we see how wonderful Christ is, we'll realize everything else is trash. You know, refuse is trash. Not only that, if you look at the note, it says refuse can be translated dog food. You know what dog food was in those days? Listen, when I traveled to the Far East, I'm not going to tell you what countries. You know, in this country, we love our dogs. We love our dogs. Even I remember one person made an air-conditioned doghouse. Can you imagine that? For a dog. Now that, I, I would never do that. But she went to that extreme. And um, but I love my dog. I mean, Ruthie and I. Some, one time I was with my dog alone. And I said, you know what? I said, God gave you to me. You're, you're God's gift to me. And I, and I told her that. She said, I believe that. Because he makes me happy. He, he died, you know, God gave him to me. Because no matter how bad I feel, his tail is wagging when he sees me. <laughs> Sometimes the brothers see me, their tail is not wagging. You know, or my... But he's, he's always glad to see me. I come down the stairs, he's waiting for me. I love that. That's God's gift to me. That's God's gift to me. The God knows I need that. I'm on the island of Patmos a lot. You know the island of Patmos, right? You're just there, I'm just there working on islands. On the island of Patmos. When I started laboring, Ron said to me, Ed, Welcome to the island of Patmos. He said, he said, Ed, that's where you get all revelation. Amen. But you're on Patmos. You're doing all this stuff. Um, so thank, I thank the Lord for my dog even, you know. Uh, so we treat our dogs. We buy them real good dog food. You know, dog food in this country is pretty good. Uh, even, I'm not going to tell you to eat dog food, but you can get by if you're starving, <laughs> okay, listen. Um, I go to this other country in the Far East. Man, I looked at the dogs. They looked so bad. They were they were just skin and bones. I said, man, what are the people here? Why do they treat their dogs like this? You know. This is inside. You know, I didn't tell the brothers that. You know, of course they probably they have a better view than I do. I think dogs are fantastic. They don't think dogs are fantastic at all, especially if you're Cantonese. 
Some of them even eat dogs. Whew. Man, I was, in, I was in Taiwan, Peter. I'm walking down the street, and all of a sudden, I, oh, well, anyway, firstly, I smell something real bad. I said, what in the world is that? Stinky tofu. Stinky tofu. How do you say that in Chinese, Peter? You, you know that, sister? You know what that is? Say it again. You're Chinese. You know, you know. Do you like that tofu? You like that? It's okay. It's okay to like it. Do you like it? Okay, she's embarrassed. But, but I bet you like it, right? You, you probably like sea cucumber, right? Okay, anyway, I'm not going to talk about sea cucumber. But it smelled so bad. I just, oh, I, I, I almost had to hold my nose, Peter. I said, what is that? You know, they, they try, translate it in English, stinky tofu. I said, why do people eat stinky tofu? Anyway, you know, the Cantonese, they eat, they, they eat all kinds of things. Monkey, dog, you know. You know what I say? You know that sheep that Peter saw on the rooftop? You know what was in there? Cantonese food. <laughs> okay, anyway, anyway. So I'm looking at these dogs, and I'm just, man. And then I'm watching them, and they, they go to the trash heap. That's their food. It's the trash. That's how it was in Paul's day. You see, refuse, dog food. That dog food is trash. It's still like that in some parts of the world. Uh, not in America. And I'm not saying that th these parts need to change. Um, what I'm saying is that Dog food in Paul's day and in many countries in the world, it's refuse. It's refuse. Um, then I started thinking, man, do I count all things as refuse? You know, I pulled out something B.C. and started talking to Ricky about it. It's, it's dog food. I pulled out some dog food and started boasting to Ricky about it. Hey, Ricky, have some dog food. That doesn't honor my brother when I, when I, and I'm, I'm like thinking, well, thank the Lord, I, at least I'm under that light. Because I realized right away, Lord, forgive me. Right, didn't I say that, Ricky? And then I asked Ricky to forgive me. Oh, my goodness. I still need, I, I need a lot of dealing from the Lord, you know. Um, anyway, it's all refuse. Other than Christ. Apart from Christ, everything is trash. Some translations say dung, D-U-N-G, dung. You know, Satan has two names, Beelzebul and Beelzebub. One means the Lord of the flies. Another means the Lord of the dunghill. You know what that means? The dunghill. He's the Lord of the dunghill. If you're a CEO, you're on the top of the dunghill. Big deal. It's all dung below you. You think you're somebody? You're just a fly. Flying around the dung. You know flies, like, they like to fly around dunghill, right? So you're either flying around dung, or maybe you just try to get to the top, and it's all a dunghill. And, and Satan is the lord of the dunghill. Who's our lord? Jesus is lord. Amen. And he... 
He is the Lord of the New Jerusalem, which is a miraculous structure of treasure in this universe. He is dispensing himself into us as the unsearchable riches of Christ, and he's transforming us into precious stones uh, for his bill. Everything, everything about him is a treasure, is a treasure. So say, don't take, don't take things for granted. Say, Lord, open my eyes more and more to see what a treasure you are. Anyway, I just say this, put this out there. Just pray this. Um, do you think you really, consider, do you really, how much do you treasure the Lord? How much do you see? He's a treasure. I, I, have, I still need to see more. Okay, now let me go on. Okay, I'm just a B now. I need to go faster. Okay, B. The oil of the meal offering signifies the Spirit of God as the divine element of Christ. Okay, then, C. The mingling of fine flour with the oil is a very wonderful definition. And this definition totally prevents us from any heresy. You see, some people, uh, Christian theologians or whatnot, they don't use the word mingling because they know uh, people in the past used mingling in a heretical way. That was the devil. So you avoid the term mingling. You see, the devil, he, he did all this deception, and so you're not going to use the word mingling, which is precious. You need to use the word mingling to describe the excellent Christ, but you need to use it in this way. The mingling of the fine flour with the oil and the meal offering signifies that Christ's humanity is mingled with the Holy Spirit and his human nature is mingled with God's divine nature, making him a God-man, possessing the divine nature and the human nature, listen to this, distinctly without a third nature being produced. You see, if you don't have that last part without a third nature being produced, you can fall into heresy. But he's a God-man. The two natures are distinct. But there's not a third nature produced, you see. But God-man, inseparable, you see. But distinct, distinct. He is the God-man. The first God-man in the history of the world. Now here we are. Who are we? We're the God-man. You know, there was a negative book written about us. What was the title? The God-man. You know what Brother Lee did? I don't care about that. I'm going to give a conference. You know what the title is going to be? The God-Man. <laughs> so we have our book. The title is The God-Man. They, they used it to attack us. Brother Lee says, okay, use it to attack us. I'm going to tell you what a God-Man is. Anyway, wonderful. Okay, now let's come to, oh, I just want to say one word to you about this. You know, in Matthew 1, uh, it says the origin of Jesus Christ was in this way. And, of course, it says before Joseph and Mary came together, she was found to be with child, the scriptures say, of the Holy Spirit. Literally, it's out of the Holy Spirit. Then, uh, verse 20, listen to what verse 20 says in Matthew 1. That which has be, been begotten in her is of the Holy Spirit. Not that which was, you know, we think of the, of the Lord's birth as when he came out of the womb, he was the God-man. But in God's eyes, he was begotten in Mary's womb. 
You see, listen to this. This is a quote. The man's Savior's conception was God's incarnation. How about that? That's where the mingling began. In Mary's womb. The divine nature mingled with the human nature. And then a God-man came out. All right. Now, he says the frankincense and the meal offering signifies the fragrance of Christ in his resurrection, that the frankincense was put on the fine flower, signifies that Christ's humanity bears the aroma of his resurrection. And we know that when the Magi came, and they, uh, you know, from the east, somewhere in the east, and um, it's very mysterious. They said, we saw his star. What in the world was that? I love the mysteries in the, I love the mysteries in the Bible. I love to say, wow, what is this? You know what manna means? You know when the manna came down? The, you know what the Hebrew said? What is this? That's what, that's what manna means. The Hebrew word manna. It means what is this? You know who Christ is? Christ is what is this? What is this? I know about Napoleon. I know about Churchill. I know this. I, but what is this? So the more you eat what is this, the more you become what is this. You become a mystery to people. People say, man, what's, you know, David, he went to some of your classmates. They can't figure you out, David. You're a mystery to them. Because you've been eating what is this for a long time. Isn't that amazing? What is this? You know, when I, when I moved to Southern California, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I look at the weather, uh, sunshine, snow, you know, in the, in the winter, snow, snow. In the summer, rain, rain. You go to Anaheim, sun, 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 sun. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I had to get so used to that. Lord, where's the rain? You know, um, but saints, can you imagine here in Exodus, What's the weather forecast? Manna. Bread is going to rain down from heaven on you. And then in John 6, can you imagine? Here is this man in his 30s. And he tells the Israelites, he said, as the living bread came down out of heaven. You know, so that's me. I'm the living bread that came down out of heaven so that you can Feed on me as your spiritual food, right? He who eats me shall live because of me. Wow. You know, a lot of the disciples, they said, now, now you know, we've been following him for a while, but this is too much. We're out of here. You know, they, they left. You know, one of the reasons they left is he didn't just say he who eats me shall live because of me. The literal Greek word is he who masticates me shall live because of me. Now, when I came in the church life, and I heard the saints singing, we'll masticate Jesus, we'll masticate Jesus. I, 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 was, I said, Lord Jesus, I know these people love you, but they've gone a little bit too far here. You know? You know what the masticate is? It means you take the food in, right? And, and then the food goes back to your mowers. If you have mowers. All you young guys, you have mowers. I'm not going to tell you about my teeth anyway. 
I mean, thank the Lord I'm thankful for teeth. You know when brother used to talk about my, my te- your teeth fall down. You remember that, Mickey? He said that because of, of the, anyway, I won't tell you, you know, it was obvious he, you know, you get older, all kind of things happen to you that you couldn't even dream of. I can't believe how old I am. His young sisters come up to me. Brother Ed, every time you talk to us, we feel like our grandfather's talking to us. I said, oh, that's good. And I said, oh, Lord Jesus, am I that old, you know? (laughs) Then another group of sisters said the same exact thing to me. Brother Ed, every time you talk to us, we feel like our grandfather's talking to us. I said, Ruthie, two groups of sisters said this to me. She said, Eddie, we're that old. We're that old. Snap out of it, you know? <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't feel, I still feel young, you know? You know, on one hand, our outer man is decaying. On the other hand, our inner man is being renewed day by day, day by day. Okay. So, um, Okay, I'm sorry, I was talking about manna. What is it? Here come the Magi. They're fall, it says they followed his star. What in the world is his star? They followed his star. They made a mistake. They went to um, Jerusalem, right? And so they talked to, the, to Herod and the scribes. They say, where is he supposed to be born? If they would have just followed the star, the star would have led him there. But they didn't do that. They said, oh, the Jerusalem. So the scribes, right away, they get the scrolls, they pull out Micah 5 2. Out of Bethlehem, Ephrathah, will come a ruler to me in Israel, uh, whose goings forth are from the days of eternity. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. They said, okay, you know. Well, they left, they saw the star again. When they saw the star, they rejoiced. But because Herod found that out, oh, Herod, he killed all the children in that area because he he didn't want them. He knew that someone's going to come out of there that's going to be ruler of Israel. That means I'm not going to be ruler of Israel anymore. But there's going to be a a boy comes out of there. Well, sorry, you can't do anything to, to frustrate that prophecy. That's a prophecy from God. I don't care what you do. That's going to happen. And sure enough, it happened. Right? Who's our king? Jesus is our king. Jesus is our ruler. Um, Anyway, so they saw a star. So what do they bring with them? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Very significant. Gold, God in his divine nature. Frankincense signifies the sweetness and aroma of Christ's resurrection. Myrrh signifies the effectiveness of his precious death, you know. So uh, we've got these elements. Now, again, we're talking about Christ's humanity bearing the aroma of his resurrection. If you notice, I've got these verses, Matthew 11, 20 through 30. This shows frankincense here, the aroma of his resurrection. I'll just give you a summary, you know. Of these verses. Here the Lord is. He's going around. He goes to this city. Chorazin. 
Bethsaida and Capernaum. They all reject him. All. Not a successful gospel work. You know, in our eyes. Not a successful gospel work. Nobody repented. So the Lord said at one point, he said, he said about Capernaum, he said, if the works of power which took place in you had taken place in Sodom, he said this, um, it, Sodom would have still been here today. It's terrible. He said, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom than it will be for you in the day of judgment. Very serious. So he had no result, David. So what did he do? I would have said, oh, what a terrible gospel trip. The bus sent us to Europe. We didn't get one person saved. You know, Jesus wasn't concerned about results. I mean, surely there's results. His main concern was if the Father was happy. He wanted to please the Father. He wanted to do the Father's will. He wanted to do the Father's work. He wanted to speak the Father's word. He sought the Father's glory. If the Father was happy, he was happy. So you know what it says? It says, at that time, Jesus answered. Who did he answer? I mean, someone asked him a question. Who asked him a question? Nobody, nobody asked him a question. That showed he was in fellowship with the Father. The Father asked him some kind of question. And if you read the life study, I think the life study probably said, well, maybe the Father asked him, well, how do you feel about this? He went to these three cities. How do you feel? You know what Jesus answered? I extol you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. And he says, he says this has been well-pleasing in your sight, Father. It, saints, we need to be like infants. Are you an infant in this meeting? You just say amen. amen. You know, on the one hand, we grow in life. On the other hand, we need to be like infants. You know what that means? You know, a child, an infant, always has the ability to receive a new thought, to receive something new. They're not old. They're not set. They don't occupy. They're like, like one time I was taking a walk with my little boy. He said, Daddy, how far away is that star? I said, oh, my goodness, how do I answer that question? You know, I don't know, um, Brother Juan and, and Brother David, according to my memory from physics class, I, I might be off, correct me. The speed of light, to my memory, is 186,000 miles per second. Does that sound right? Oh, thanks, Peter. <laughs> Peter says that I'm happy, you know. 180, that's fast. 186,000 miles per second. So I realized that star we're looking at, it might not be there. You see what I mean? Because the light, boom, it goes through lots of miles, 160. So my, my son asked me this question. I don't know how I answered him. I said, Lord, what, what should I say to this little boy? I said something to him. He goes, oh, that's great, Daddy. He just believed whatever I said. That's how we should be with the Lord. Whatever he says, we just, amen, Lord. Amen. I don't fully understand it, but I believe you. 
I believe your word. Um, so, this is the fragrance of resurrection. Now, let's come to one. One says, as portrayed in the four Gospels, Christ lived a life in his humanity, mingled with his divinity, and expressing resurrection out from his sufferings. If you read these verses, you can see this. And uh, I don't have the time to read all these verses, but you can see it. Now, two, this utterance is wonderful. Look at this. Christ's spirit-filled and resurrection-saturated living. Is that wonderful or not? Now, we need to have living like that. We need to pray, Lord, I like my living to be spirit-filled living. I like my living to be a resurrection-saturated living. This living was a satisfying fragrance to God, giving God rest, peace, joy, enjoyment, and full satisfaction. Isn't that wonderful, saints? Listen, I know it's I know it's Saturday morning. Maybe it's kind of warm in here. But can you say praise the Lord right now? Amen. Good, good. Uh, anyway, you're still awake, right, Juan? Good, good. Okay. Uh, yeah, Peter, I'm not worried about whether I'm warm or not. But thank you for your shepherding. I'm worried about the saints. I like the, I like all you to be attentive. Amen. All these brothers are attentive. I like that. But I look, I, you know, when you're up here, you look around. I can see everybody. You know, when I speak in Tokyo, there's always this one brother. He's like this. His mouth is wide open. I, I, I'm always concerned that there's going to be a fly that goes in there. But I don't feel bad. It doesn't bother me because those saints in Tokyo, they pay a big price to come to the meeting. I mean, if you go to Tokyo, man, there's so much pressure on them. Work, those those, those, uh, trains are all exact time. You know, this way, that way, this way. Bullet train, you know. And so to the them to even get to a meeting is a big deal. I'm just happy they're in the meeting. Well, he said the best place to sleep is a meeting. If you're in the meeting, you got a chance. You know, Ricky remembers we were at a college conference. And Ricky, I'm not telling it exactly right. I, but I look over here. This college brother, he is sound asleep. I mean, I can tell it's deep sleep. It's it's REM sleep, you know, rapid eye movement. I, it's like I could see the dreams over his head. You know what I mean? What you know? But brother, he trained us. Don't just keep speaking. You know, just don't. Well, I sit down. I sit next to Ricky. He stands up to share something. I said, "What is this?" Ricky, he woke up some at some time. He woke up during my share, and he got touched by the Lord. He got convicted. Rick, I can't say what he said, but he said, you know, uh, I think he confessed he was sleeping, and he woke up, and he said, I heard Brother Ed sharing. He said, saints, uh, Ricky, I'm not doing it justice, but he, he kind of was confessing the saints. 
you know, I haven't been absolute for the Lord. I've kind of been away from the Lord. And I was so convicted and touched by what the Lord was speaking through, Brother Ed. i like to consecrate my whole life to the Lord right now. Something like that, right, Ricky? I'm a, he was in REM sleep. And now he's consecrating his whole life to the Lord. Listen, you're in the meeting, you have a chance. You see what I mean? Okay. Um, anyway, just get, get to the beating. Just like Joseph, take my bones into the good land. We need to say, brother, sister, take my bones to the meeting. Just get me into that chair, you know. Um, okay, now let's come to E. Salt, with which the meal offering was seasoned, signifies the death or the cross of Christ and salt functions to season, kill germs, and preserve. So when you eat the meal offering, there's an element in that meal offering that kills the spiritual germs in you. It kills the germs in you. One, the Lord Jesus always lived a life of being salted, a life under the cross. Two says, even before he was actually crucified, Christ daily lived a crucified life denying himself and his natural life and living the Father's life in resurrection. You can read these verses later. Every verse is meaningful. Oh, you give a whole conference on this outline. I didn't even touch it last night. I'm going to make it. Don't worry. We're going to get there. Okay, three. The basic factor of God's covenant is the cross, the crucifixion of Christ, signified by salt. It is by the cross that God's covenant is preserved to be an eternal covenant. Now, F, that the meal offering was without leaven signifies that in Christ there is no sin or any negative thing. Jesus said, now, now, in the footnote on leaven, uh, we know leaven signifies sinful things, evil things. But in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8, Paul says concerning Christ, our Passover Christ has been sacrificed for us. Let us therefore keep the feast. That's the feast of unleavened bread. Not with the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. That's Christ. Christ is unleavened. That means when you eat Christ, you're taking him in as your sinless supply. He's absolutely pure. He's without mixture. He's full of reality. Um, listen, the only way to, for us to eliminate sin is to daily eat Christ as the crucified, resurrected, and sinless life. Now, now look at Gene. Maybe I read this. That the meal offering was without honey signifies that in Christ there is no natural affection, no natural goodness. Even with Christ, no natural affection. Um, you know, I didn't put this verse on here, but I encourage you to put Psalm 16.2 down here somewhere. Put Psalm 16.2 and footnote. You know what this, what this verse says? This is the Lord speaking. This is human living in Psalm 16. I say to Jehovah, 
You are my Lord. To him the Father was his Lord. Listen to this. No good have I beyond you. No good have I beyond you. You know what the footnote says? It says this. As a man, Christ took God as his Lord. Listen to this. And he had no good. What does that mean? He had no enjoyment. He had no pleasure. And he had, I'm sorry, he had no blessing. He had no pleasure. And he had no enjoyment beyond God as his portion. He said, no good have I beyond you. That's the only good we have. Remember, remember someone said to him, good, good teacher. He said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. When you know one thing that implies that he's God. But another thing is, as a man, Tim the father was a unique goodness. Okay, and you remember, we talk about natural relationships. His brother, his, um, how does it say? He's speaking to the crowds. His mother and his brothers are outside the meeting. They want to speak to him. I would say, oh, my mother and my brothers are out there. They came from Pittsburgh. Sure, I want to speak to them. What did the Lord say? He said, ah, oh, he said this. He said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he stretched out his hand. He said, he said, behold, my mother and my brothers. He said, whoever does the will of my father who is in the heavens, he is my brother and sister and mother. Isn't that wonderful? You know what that means? If we do the father, if we do the father's will, we become a brother who helps him. We become a sister who sympathizes with him. And we become a mother who loves him tenderly. Isn't that great? Amen. You know, your sister always sympathizes with you. I hope so. <laughs> anyway, okay, now let's come to Roman number two. How about we say praise the Lord again? Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, good. You know, it's hard to say praise the Lord and not smile. Can you say, Lord Jesus, I love you right now? Lord Jesus, I love you. Every time the saints say that, they just, they're just full of joy. They're like that. Lord Jesus, I love you. You know, it's because it's almost like when you say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Inside he says, I love you too. Okay, in Roman numeral two, the meal offering typifies our Christian life as a duplication of Christ, God, man, living. Uh, I have to go quicker. A says, we need to enjoy Christ as our meal offering day by day for our priestly diet. is our diet. So that we can live again on the earth so that he can live on again through us in his divinely enriched humanity. If we eat Christ as the meal offering, we will become what we eat and live by what we eat. So that's why it says, he who eats me shall live because of me. You know, that's the, that's a little, that's the proper translation. You can say live by me, but when you say live because of me, what that means is he's your energizing element. He's your supplying factor. You live because of him. See, I had an omelet this morning and a bagel. I said, I want Philadelphia cream cheese. That bagel. No Philadelphia cream cheese. Bagels, you know, 
Whenever I came here, Benjamin always used to want to take me out to breakfast. Right, Ricky? Um, oh, I used to look forward to that. I always get bagel and cream cheese with I think ben, Benjamin liked bagel and cream cheese. Ricky, he didn't like that. You don't know. Okay. I need to remember, so I might know more than you. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Crispy bagel. Did he like cream cheese on it? There you go. Benjamin liked kosher food. <laughs> anyway, that's kosher. For a Jewish person, that's kosher. Okay, anyway. He who eats me shall live because of me. Saints, when we eat the Lord Jesus as our spiritual food, you know, people said, oh my goodness, this, this man's saying we need to eat him. Yeah, if they would have stuck around, they would have realized what he was talking about. He says, the flesh profits nothing. I'm not talking about this. He says, it is the spirit who gives life. He said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, if you want for me to be your spiritual food, you need to eat my words. My words are spirit and life. You eat his words, he becomes your spiritual food. Um, okay, let me go a little further here. One says, look at the humanity of Jesus. It fulfills all righteousness. Now we remember, John the Baptist, you know, he's not a Southern Baptist, right? You know that. Uh, he's a baptizer. Um, he baptized, that's his, that's his, that was the ministry of the age at that time. It was, it was a baptism for repentance. You see, you wanted to be up to date with the Lord's ministry then, you better be baptized by John. So, here comes the Lord Jesus. And John looks at him. He said, I have need to be baptized by you. When you're asking me to baptize you, you need to baptize me. And, and here's what the Lord said. I love this. He said, he said this to John. He said, permit it for now, for it, is for it is fitting for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Now, what did the Lord mean by that? Well, righteousness means to be right with God by living and doing things in the way that God had ordained. What did God ordain? He ordained baptism. That was his ordination. If you were a man, now, Jesus is a man, so as a man, as a man, he enters in, he said, John, I want you to baptize me. I'm going to fulfill all righteousness. I'm going to be right with my Father by living, walking, and doing Everything that he ordained. He ordained baptism. I'm going to enter into this baptism. You know what the Lord Jesus did? He entered into the ministry of that age. That was to fulfill all righteousness. Now we know that when he started ministering, he had the ministry of the age, of course. But he's a pattern to us. Uh, now, let me go on. The humanity of Jesus had no resting place. Haven't you seen things like this? No resting place. I like that. The foxes have holes. The birds of heaven have roosts. Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You know, you know, man, man is, is like a, a fox. I have my hole. I have my roost. You know, when I was, I remember when 
when, when I was a kid, my dad had his chair in the living room. It was his chair. You know, you, you got to put that chair in the Smithsonian Institute. You know, he always sit in that chair. Well, one time, he was at work. I'm sitting in this chair, you know. I'm like a little kid, big chair, you know. I hear him come in. I got right out of that chair. Because his chair. Then I became a dad. I couldn't believe it. I come downstairs. I know a boy sitting in a chair. I said, get out of that chair. That's my chair. I'm just like my dad. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, forgive me. You know? Anyway, we're like this. We can be set, settled, and occupied, right? But we need to follow the Lamb wherever He goes, right? The Lord moves you to New York City, New York City. Lord wants you to New Jersey, you're in New Jersey. I never dreamed I'd be in California, but that's where I am. Somehow I got from Pittsburgh to Kansas to Texas to California. How did that happen? It's the Lord Jesus. Um, okay, let me go on. The humanity of Jesus is lowly and hard. His humanity loves the weak ones. His humanity is flexible. How about that? Flexible. They asked Peter, Peter, does your master pay the temple tax? Of course he pays the temple tax. <laughs> then Peter comes and the Lord looks at him and said, Peter, I have something to say to you. You know, he knew that Peter had, he, he didn't tell him what happened. And so the Lord said, um, you know, the Lord talked to Peter. He said, look, I don't have to pay the temple tax. I'm the, I'm the king of kings. You know, the king doesn't have to pay a temple tax or the son of the king. Um, so the Lord says this. He's flexible. He says, okay, Peter, we don't want to stumble them. So let's pay the temple tax. Now, here's what I want you to do because you're so out there. I want you to learn a lesson. Uh, I want you to go to the sea, cast a hook, and go fishing. First fish that comes up, reach in its mouth and take a stator out of it. That's a temple tax. Can you imagine Peter sitting there going, oh, Lord Jesus, I made a big mistake here. I don't know how long he had to wait to get that fish. You know, that was a lesson for him. I told the brothers in the Itero, you know, I used to walk Brother Lee up to the front when he was in Irving. And so, um, Anyway, uh, I'm walking them up to the front, and there's a bunch of young people up here like this. They're all speaking something. I said, what are they doing? Don't they realize that, that Brother Lee, I need to walk him up to his chair? And this is me inside, kind of complaining. Don't they realize it? So we, I had to lead Brother Lee through all these young people. We get to the chair, and I'm, I'm like, what, what are they doing, you know? Then, Brother Lee asked someone behind him, he said, Brother, what are these young people doing up here? He said, Brother Lee, they memorized one of your footnotes, and they're speaking it to all of us. He said, that's wonderful. He said, Brother Ed, I want you to go downstairs right now and get brand new recovery versions for all of them. You know what that was? 
I went downstairs to the Lord Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me. I just went fishing, you know, for a stater. For a stater. I didn't tell anybody. But the Lord knew. The Lord was teaching me a lesson. Look at look at this minister's age. He's not legal. He's flexible. But you're not you're, you're not flexible. You know, what are they doing? You know. Okay, anyway. Uh, the humanity of Jesus serves others. Okay, go further here. The humanity of Jesus cherishes, cherishes people. The humanity of Jesus is orderly, not sloppy. You remember he fed the 5,000. You remember what he did? It says, he said, gather the broken pieces. Clean, I want you to clean up this mess. You know what I would have said to the Lord? Lord, it's biodegradable. It's not plastic. It's biodegradable. You know, they didn't say that, of course. He was very, he wasn't sloppy. He's very orderly. Um, humanity of Jesus is limited by time. The humanity of Jesus is unique. And I'm so glad Ricky was with me because he, 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 I said a verse that I shouldn't have said. That verse should be John 7, 46, right? So make that change. John 7, 46. What that shows is the Pharisees sent some attendants to arrest the Lord. And they, and they came back, they came back to them, the Pharisees. And the Pharisees said, where is he? They forgot to arrest him. You know, so they said, never has a man spoken as this man has. They were just enthralled. They forgot to arrest him. Okay. So that's John 7, 46. The humanity of Jesus knows when to weep. The humanity of Jesus is humble. Okay. Roman number three. Christ's life and our individual Christian life issue in a totality. The church life as a corporate meal offering. This is marvelous. Uh, Saint, I'll just read it. I think it speaks for itself. Such a life is a life of humanity mingled with the Holy Spirit that as the Holy Spirit poured upon it, a life with salt and frankincense, but with no leaven or honey, both forms of the meal offering, the individual Christ and the corporate Christ, the church life, are food for God's satisfaction and our nourishment. Uh, forgive me, saints, I, I didn't manage my time, so I'm glad, David, that you and Juan are still with me. I think you are still with me, right? Anyway, this, these things are marvelous. Okay, B, the meal, you know, I edited that book, Practical Points Concerning Blending. Then Brother Lee sent me to London with Bob Dank with me to give a conference on this. I said, Bob, what does Brother Lee mean by blending? I was in the conference. I edited the messages. But it's deep. Brother Lee said, you read the book. Blending is very deep. That's why no one talks about it. Uh, so on the trip over, we read the book again. We prayed over it. We fellowship. Okay, listen to this. The meal offering is a type of blending to bring us into the reality of the body of Christ for the fulfillment of God's economy. 
So one says this. In 1 Corinthians 10, 17, Paul says, seeing that there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Now it goes on to say this. I've never seen this before. You know, before I worked on it. Paul's thought of the church being one bread was taken from the Old Testament. The meal offering in Leviticus 2.4 consisted of cakes made of fine flour mingled with oil. Now listen to this. Every part of the fine flour was mixed or mingled with the oil. That is blending. See, so blending has a physical aspect. But the intrinsic aspect is that while we're physically together, we're being mingled with the Spirit. I believe that that's what's happening in this meeting, regardless. To the reality of the body of Christ, realized through our being, being blended together, as typified by the meal offering, is the corporate living by the perfected God men who are genuine men but are not living by their life but by the life of the process God whose attributes have been expressed through their human virtues. To be perfected is to be matured by continually exercising our spirit to reject the self and live by another life which is which is Christ as the life of God. So see, when we exercise our spirit, we do that to reject the self and live by Christ as our life. Um, Saying, don't take these, these are not just terminology, this is real. We have to to say, Lord, teach me how to exercise my spirit now to contact thee. That's him, right? That by thy spirit, or in thy spirit, I may walk and live by thy reality. That's a prayer. We have to pray that prayer. Okay. Uh, Three says, God has blended the body together. The Greek word for blended implies the losing of distinctions. It also means harmonized, adjusted, mingled, and tempered. Look, four. In order to be blended in the body life, the meal offering church life, we have to go through the cross and do everything by the Spirit, dispensing Christ to one another for the building up of the body of Christ. Saints, when we come together, when the elders get together, they have to go through the cross. You know, before I meet with the brothers, I always have this kind of prayer. Before I even go to the meeting, Lord, I like to go through the cross. I like to do everything with the brothers by the Spirit. Not only that, Lord, I like to dispense Christ into the brothers. It's not just let's let's get let's get down to business here. Let's pray a perfunctory prayer. Like at the House of Representatives. And get down to business. No. Go through the cross. Do everything. Say everything by the Spirit. And you're concerned for your brothers that you're coordinating with. You want to dispense Christ into them. For the sake of the body. That is blending. That is not doctrinal. See, that is the real deal there. And so, you know, I mean, Ricky, Brother Ricky knows I can't say too much. I, I'm very sorrowful to say this. Some brothers are not blendable. Why? 
They don't want to go through the cross. I'll use this, I'll use poetry now. They don't want to go through the cross. They want to be the boss. Is that am I too much, Ricky? You want to be the boss? The boss gets crossed out. There's no boss in the blending fellowship. You know, we blended together. When we start, first started blending, building with the be of the Lord, one coworker came among us. He told me, he said, Ed, I was looking around. Okay, who's going to take charge? Who's going to take charge? Nobody. Who took charge? The Holy Spirit took charge. Amen. And when you blend together, what happens is this, saints, all the functions, I'm talking about the, the coworkers now, all the functions of the workers come out. They come out in the blending. There's no hierarchy. But you go through the cross. You're by the Spirit. You dispense Christ into one another for the sake of the body. If I'm with Peter and Ricky and Timothy, is Sam here? Maybe Sam couldn't be here. He couldn't be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, brother. What is your name again? Caleb. Caleb, that's right. Oh, I love brother Caleb. I'm sorry, I had a senior citizen moment. That's why I asked you your name. Caleb came up to me, you know, before I came here. And then I he said, Brother Ed, we're really looking forward to you coming. Oh, that really watered me, you know. Um, but let's say I'm coordinating with these brothers. There's no boss. The boss gets crossed out. Amen. But when we, when we have that attitude, okay, I'm going to present something to the brothers. It has to go through the cross. If it's the Lord, it'll go through the cross. If it's not the Lord, it's going to be crossed out. I want it to be crossed out. I want to do everything by the Spirit. I want to honor these dear brothers with the Spirit. I want to dispense Christ into them. I don't say, oh, brothers, I'm going to dispense Christ into you right now. But just by being there, your presence, you have that attitude, it dispenses Christ into the brothers you coordinate with the saints, the sisters. Uh, and you do all of this for the sake of the body. Um, because we're in the age of blending, saints. We are in the era of blending. In the, when you're blended, everything's harmonized. Everything You get adjusted, like chiropractor. You know, when I go to a chiropractor, I'm always scared when they do that head stuff. You're sitting there, you're relaxed. I said, now just relax, Mr. Mark. <laughs> what, what happened to my neck? <laughs> That's what happens when you blend together. <laughs> you get adjusted. You know, it's funny, I shared this in New Zealand, Ricky. And I said, I'm talking about chiropractor. This brother sitting on the front row. He goes, Brother Ed, I'm a chiropractor. I said, oh, Lord Jesus. You know? <laughs> but he was laughing, you know. Um, anyway, you get adjusted. I like to be adjusted. Um, maybe it's uncomfortable for you to be adjusted. Thank the Lord for that. You know, right after Brother Lee went to be with the Lord, I studied the book of Galatians prayerfully. In detail, I thought, maybe we'll have a training on Galatians. You know, so I was ready. I was ready. So I get together with, with Andrew, Benson, Ron, and me. I'm ready. I'm ready to put Galatians on the table. You know what happened? 
before I even was able to put it on the table. One after one, they said, you know what? Billy's not with us anymore. We need to go. We need to, we need to cover the best book possible. The highest life study training ever was on the life study of Hebrews. Let's do Hebrews. You know where Galatians went? Right into file 13. You know, file 13 is a trash can, right? Said, okay, Lord, Hebrews. That was a good training. When it read crystallization study. Um, for some reason, this is the first crystallization study. The brother said, we want Ron and Ed, just Ron and Ed, we want them to do it. I said, oh, my goodness. You know, because they said, well, Ron and Ed, they, they, they're into the ministry so much. Let's, let's put our best foot forward, you know, so to speak, you know. And I just went, oh, Lord, you know. Uh, so that was two trains, just Ron and I, That was the only time. Thank the Lord. Now we have other brothers. We have, well, we have five brothers now, Ricky, right? And brother, Ricky's one of those brothers. He's getting chiropractic adjustment. He said, Brother Ed, why did you give me that message, brother? I said, well, I just thought it fit you, brother. <laughs> Brothers, there's no boss among us. The Lord Jesus is our... If there's a boss, it's the Lord Jesus. There's no... The only capital B brother among us is the Lord Jesus. He's our elder brother. I'm sorry to say that um, it, it, I'm, full, I'm full of sorrow when I think about this. Some brothers, they just, brotherly told Francis and I, uh, you know, this makes me sad. Uh, brother said, brothers, this brother only knows how to tell people what to do. He doesn't know how to coordinate, forgive me. He doesn't know how to coordinate with his peers. He only knows how to tell people what to do. Ricky, I don't tell you what to do, do I? Maybe I do. <laughs> but, but Ricky, if I do, it's in the fellowship. Am I right? It's, it's in the chiropractic realm, right? Uh, it's not like, Ricky, you have to do this, right? Uh, so uh, there's no boss. There's, there's functions. We function together. Peter has his function. Uh, Dennis has his function. You think I could sing like Dennis Cooley? Are you kidding me? I, when, Compared to him, I'm a frog. When Dennis sings, it's like the New York, I don't know, whatever, you know. What do they sing in New York? Not the New York Philharmonic. Philharmonic. Metropolitan. That, that, that's Dennis. But Dennis's, Dennis's ability has gone into death and come up in resurrection. Am I right, Ricky? It's not just natural now. No. When he sings, it's in resurrection. So my wife loves all the song tapes that come out of New York. She puts them in, in the car. I come in the car. Who sing it? The New Yorkers. <laughs> okay, let me go on further. Okay. Uh, okay, all these points mean that we should fellowship. Fellowship blends us. That means it tempers us. It adjusts us. It harmonizes us. It mingles us. It causes us to lose our distinctions. It saves us from leaving the unique, the impress of our personality upon the church's life and work so that Christ can truly be all 
and, and all. You see, if you don't blend and you want to be the boy, you just know how to tell people what to do. The impress of your personality is all over the church life. I still remember, I'm not going to mention the brother's name, Ricky. I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Billy would test churches in the past, test this area, this church. He was testing one church. The one brother there, he was the boss. He's not here anymore. He, someone would testify. He said, that's brother so-and-so. And the, that's brother so-and-so. You remember that? Why? The stamp of his personality was on everything related to the church. That's brother so-and-so. That's brother so-and-so. You know, you can't say that about us. I mean, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, I feel we're like the four living creatures. If you have function of gospel, I'm going to walk sideways and backwards. It's time to do a music tape. You better believe I'm walking backwards. Listen, 75% of the time, you're walking sideways and backwards. If you're walking in the front, you're limited too. You, you have to go, you have to, you can't say, hey guys, I'm out of here. You can't just break away. You have to stay, stay connected to the sideways walkers and the backwards walkers. Am I right? This is beautiful. Ezekiel 1 is now, we're in that reality now. We're on that way now. It was sitting there for years. Okay, um, I'm on six, right? We should not do anything without fellowshipping with the other saints who are coordinating with us. Fellowship requires us to stop. We're about to do something in our coordination in the church life and in the Lord's work. We all have to learn not to do anything without fellowship. Blending means, listen, that we should always stop. Stop. To fellowship with others. You know, sometimes they don't stop. They, they go in, they do something. Then they say, oh, Brother Joshua, let me share with you what I did. You know what that is? That's fellowship. That's not fellowship. Fellowship is before I do anything, I say, Brother Joshua, I have some feeling over this. How do you feel? You see? The reason why I wouldn't do that is because I don't want to hear a no. I don't want to hear, well, brother, Ed, I don't know about that. I don't want to hear, uh, you know, you know, tempered means you're so hot. You need to be cooled down a little bit. You need to be tempered. You need cold water. You, you, you're boiling too much. If you don't want that, you just go ahead. But if you stop to fellowship, you're tempered, you're harmonized, you're adjusted, you're mingled. Isn't that beautiful? That's where we are. That's what, that's, that, that has been bequeathed to us by the Lord, through the Lord's servant, through the minister of the age. He bequeathed this to us before he went to be with the Lord. He said, the Lord has shown me, even in the work, the Lord has shown me that he has prepared many fellow slaves. I'm, I'm sorry, that he has prepared many brothers who will serve as fellow slaves with me in a blended way. He said, this is the Lord's sovereign provision for his body and the up-to-date way to fulfill his ministry. Did that come to pass or not? 
I'm not saying we've arrived, but we're still on. I'm talking about the co-workers. We're still on that road. Aren't we, Ricky? We are. Right, Peter? Isn't that beautiful? Listen, I'm still, as far as I'm concerned, I'm still being, I'm still being tempered by Andrew. You know, um, that's beautiful. The Lord has shown me. You better listen to that. Um, that's the blending. That's how we go on. That's the Lord's sovereign provision for his body. That's the up-to-date way to fulfill his ministry. Um, anyway, here we are. Um, I just think it's, it's glorious. You want, you want to be the boss? Sorry. It's not the age of boss people. You know, those days are over. It's not the days of one controlling person. It's the days of one controlling vision. Amen. And it's the days of blending, Amen. mingling. Amen. It's a meal offering. Okay, now, see, the meal offering church life is seen where? Would you ever imagine that you would see the meal offering church life in First Corinthians? Okay, and I'll read you through this quickly. You read the life studies. There's a whole life study on this. Christ is the man given to us by God. Paul's charge to the Corinthians, be a man. Isn't that wonderful? Be a man. This is be full-grown men. Literally, it's be a man. I heard Brother Lee say that on the phone to a brother. Brother, be a man. I said, oh, my goodness. I don't know who's on the other end of the line. But Brother Lee just told that brother to be a man. You know, I was with Brother Lee working one time. And the doorbell rang. We were working. Brother Lee always was. He didn't want to be disturbed when he was laboring in the Word. So I was helping him. The doorbell rings. He goes, that's the devil. I didn't, I didn't want to look to see who it was. You know, anyway. That's the way brotherly was. Be a man. It means that we should have the high, uplifted humanity of Jesus with the highest virtues, such as what? Extraordinary love, boundless forbearance, unparalleled faithfulness, absolute humility, utmost purity, supreme holiness, and righteousness, and brightness, and uprightness. If we love the Lord, and love is appearing, looking forward to his coming, We'll be kept in the realm of having Christ as our humanity. Saints, give yourself to love the Lord Jesus. If you love the Lord Jesus, he will keep you in the realm of having his humanity. You know, in, our, in that turmoil in the late 80s, uh, Rick and Peter, remember, the brothers that we love, they lost their humanity. But they said, where's the humanity? I mean, you just... Some of the meetings, but just you just can't even imagine. Where's the humanity? You know why? Because when you love the Lord, your humanity is safeguarded in the humanity of Jesus. You see, it's not a small thing. Keep your love fresh for the Lord. Uh, now, um, the humanity of those who serve the Lord is safeguarded by their praying in the Holy Spirit to keep themselves in the love of God in order to love the Lord to the uttermost, and also by their daily offering themselves willingly to the Lord in the splendor, the beauty of their consecration to be conceived as the dew to water Christ. That's Psalm 110, verse 3. Now, uh, four, the church life is a mingling living. 
of humanity, oiled by and with the Spirit and joined to the Spirit. Five, the grace of God that we are enjoying today is the resurrected Christ as the life-giving Spirit. Eight, we must die with Christ to self daily so that we may live with Christ to God daily. Now, Ricky, I didn't say this in the meeting, in the intro, but I can, I'll can say this here. You know, Brother Carey, I go into his office. There's a quote there. Just, just die one day at a time. Just die one day at a time. I love that. That means I die daily. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just die today. Die right now. How do you die? You die by exercising your spirit. We'll see. Okay. We must demonstrate the reality of resurrection by being one with God and having God with us in the status in which we were called. We must labor, not by our natural life, natural ability, but by the Lord as our resurrection, life, and power. We must enjoy the crucified Christ as the solution to all the problems in the church. See, the solution to every problem is for us to enjoy the Lord. Now, just think about it. When you're enjoying the Lord, do you have problems? All the problems are gone. Tim, when you enjoy the Lord, do you have any problems? Not at all, brother. <laughs> I'm your brother. I'm the same way, brother. But when I have problems, I'm not enjoying the Lord, you know. I mean, sometimes, you know, I enjoy the Lord in the morning. I come downstairs, get the email. Oh, all these problems are coming to me. They used to go to Brother Lee. They used to go to Andrew. But Benson, they're not here. Now they're coming to me. They're coming to other, you know, a few other brothers. And so I go, oh, Lord Jesus, you know. And Ruthie said to me one time, she said, Ed, you better go back up there and pray some more. <laughs> you know, I got convicted by the Lord. Because the Lord said to me, Ed, you've been talking to me about everything. Your whole church life. Why don't you talk to me about these things? Just talk to me in detail. Just say, Lord, I'm bothered about this. I'm troubled about this. Lord, I don't know what to do about that. Just have genuine talks of me. You won't have, you'll just enjoy me. The more you talk to the Lord, the more you enjoy the Lord. Right, David? Just have real, be real with the Lord. The more real we are with the Lord, the more real he is to us. Um, I still remember sharing that. And Benjamin was over here. He said, amen, Brother Ed. When I get an amen from Benjamin like that, everything's okay. All right. Saints, let's give ourselves every day to enjoy him. Seven, we must enjoy Christ as our unleavened banquet. The life supply of sincerity and truth, who is absolutely pure, without mixture, and full of reality. In the church life, the natural man must be killed by the salt, the cross of Christ. Now listen to nine. God desires that every local church be a meal offering to satisfy him and fully supply the saints day by day. This means that we will eat our church life. For the church life will be our daily supply. Okay, now, last Roman numeral. As the mingling of the triune God with the tripartite man, 
The New Jerusalem will be a great meal offering, the ultimate consummation of the mingling of the triune God with the tripartite man. And he says, the number 12, which represents the New Jerusalem, indicates that the New Jerusalem is the mingling of the triune God, three, with his creature man, four. The New Jerusalem is the mingling of the processed and consummated triune God with the processed and consummated tripartite church. See, he says, eventually, the triune eternal God becomes the new Jerusalem, united, mingled, and incorporated with all of us. Amen. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Okay, look, how about, as I'm getting ready to go, how about we all stand up and say, Lord Jesus, I love you three times. 